So in a certain way, we're wrapping up a whole um, train of thought in Tanya. We're sort of coming to a milestone, um, a benchmark, maybe you call it. And it started on the title page. If you remember from our very first class, remember our very first class of this uh, course, we spoke about that on the title page of the Tanya, it quotes the verse from the Torah, It is very near this thing, meaning fulfillment of the entire Torah. It is very near, meaning accessible, attainable to you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. And we, we launched into a whole discussion about the attainability of perfection. Is it really korev? Is it really near? Is it really attainable? And we started to discuss, you know, what kind of standards can we really strive for as regular people, which we call uh, the Bainanim, or Bainanim, regular people. Remember that? Way, 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 way back at the beginning. Okay. So in a certain way, we're, we're wrapping that up. Or we're coming to a, a certain point of closure in Tanya. Chapter 17 begins... We're on chapter 17, right? Chapter 17 begins and says, Now we can better understand... What that verse meant, This is very close to you, attainable, near. In your mouth and your heart that you may do it. By the way, this verse from the title page, in addition to being the main, main theme of Tanya, it also comes back up for analysis several times throughout Tanya. Several times throughout Tanya, it is, this verse comes back, comes back up, and is uh, analyzed again and again, with a different emphasis each time. But this time, the emphasis is on the last word of the phrase, la'asoisoi, that you may do it. The Altarebbe emphasizes that this is a qualifying statement, that you may do it. What is the qualifying statement? The qualifying statement is like this. Yes, It is very close to you. It's very attainable to you. This matter, fulfillment of the entire Torah, in your mouth, in your heart, Oh, 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 hold on, hold on a second. In your heart? You know how hard it is to change an emotion? You know how hard it is to change what you like? I mean, I know about doing what you don't like and not doing what you would like, but to change what you like? The Alter Rebbe says, La in order to do it. In other words, that last word in the whole... Uh, phrase comes to qualify and give context to everything before it. It is very easy to change your inner 
self, your emotions, if you define that as changing your insights enough to tip the scales to get you to do what you got to do. La soy soy. So that last word. Hmm? It's still not very easy. It's doable. Yeah, and elsewhere in time you will ask, why does it say very easy? Right. Right. But okay, but I will allow that. You want to translate you want to translate as doable, I think for 2018, that's a fine translation. It is doable. And you know why I like your translation as well? For another reason I like it? It's a double meaning, which is exactly the point here. It's doable. You're putting the emphasis on the doing. Okay. So I like that. Maybe even that's our title for chapter 17. It's doable. Right? It's doable. What's doable? Changing my emotions. Changing your emotions enough to get me to do the right thing. So if you remember from last week, from chapter 16, remember we're talking about you're going to meditate and you're going to bring emotions into being and they would say, well, hold on a second, emotions, like a tzaddik emotions? You mean like a tzaddik who has these very intense feelings for Hashem? And we said, no, no, not like a tzaddik. More low-key. Remember that last week, chapter 16? You remember the term that we used for these low-key, I, I, I called them proto-emotions, and others called them pseudo-emotions, but... Tvuna, very good, that's the technical term. Tvuna... And it's from the word bina, which bina is an intellectual faculty, meaning to say that it's almost more intellectual than emotional, but it's not like cold, hard, objective intellect. It's more like a subjective uh, perspective in the intellect. It's like, I get it. Yeah, I know why that this is important to do. I appreciate this. This, this is important. I, I want to I do this. More than just like, you know... Well, in theory, I know you're supposed to do this. It's like liking those tomatoes. I appreciate that it's healthy for me. Oh, the tomato bet. Yeah. So in the tomato bet, yeah, it could be... Well, there with the tomato bet, the truth is the entire motivation was, was the bet, was the, the bet, money. The money. Yeah, right. but if we would give it a muscle... Give it a healthy... Let's take, okay, like eating healthy in general. Yeah, okay? Healthy. It doesn't mean Broccoli. that I actually prefer sure. the healthy food. I prefer the taste of other foods, but... No, 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 I get it. No one's forcing me to eat healthy. I get it. This is something that I wanted. It's, in other words, it's coming from me. The motivation's coming from me. And that's the point of chapter 16 as well as chapter 17, that I can find some, some motivation that's coming from me. As opposed to, um, you know, in chapter 12, when we first introduced Mayach Shaltal Alev, and it meant um, forcing yourself... Okay, you could also say my willpower, it's my own willpower, it's coming from me. But that's a little different. My own willpower, I'm forcing myself by sheer impulse control. Yeah, it's my willpower, but I'm forcing myself in spite of myself. Like, I don't want it. Kabbalah soil, yeah, I'm receiving the yoke of heaven. I don't want this, I really don't want it. But I know I have to do it, I'm forcing myself. And we spoke about that, how the first tool we were really given is that impulse control, just force yourself. You don't have to like it at all, not even one smidge and one iota, just force yourself. But then what happened in chapter 16, and we're continuing in chapter 17, is we started to say, 
Well, you know, what if you could get emotionally congruent with your behaviors? Mm -hmm. At least a little. What if you could get a little bit emotionally congruent with the behaviors? Yes, I know. You can force yourself in spite of yourself because there's something called mayachalta alev, control your, control, what do you call, um, you know, stuff your feelings. Control yourself. But then, like I told you last week, mayachalta alev has a second meaning as well, which is, um, you know, you could really start to change your feelings. Not an utter transformation, not intense emotions, but enough that the motivation to do what I'm doing is, is coming from me. When I do it, I don't have to feel that I'm literally going against my own feelings. I, no, I, I want to be doing this. Are there other things I also would like to be doing? Yeah, I still have a Nefesh Bahamas, and it still has its tastes and predilections and all that stuff. But at the same time, what did I do for myself by thinking about Hashem and meditating? I gave myself a little bit of emotional congruency with my, with my behaviors, with my good behaviors, because I, I created some emotional um, backing for what I'm doing. So it's now it's not just sheer willpower, there's some feeling behind it as well. Emotion. Okay. Knowing that it's the right thing to do is not really an emotion. Like, yeah, like that's... It's a very thing. good point. Knowing that something's the right thing to do is not an emotion. Yeah, that's still Kabbalah so. It's still Kabbalah so. Right. I know it's the right... I know, I know, I know. That's not an emotion. No. Mm -hmm. An emotion means I want to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to be doing. Now, how intensely do I want to be doing it? I'm not a tzaddik. It's not like... You know, they talk about Levi Yitzchak Berdichever, that the first night of Sukkot, he couldn't sleep because the mitzvah of Lulav and Esrug is in the daytime. So at the first night of Sukkot, he was up all night watching the horizon and waiting for the break of dawn so he could run to the Sukkah and bench Lulav and Esrug at the first possible second. And then he was so excited, he ran to the Sukkah and he tripped and the pitam broke from his Esrug. Okay. So we could imagine getting that excited about other things, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that excited about a mitzvah? Okay, that's a tzaddik. That's surely a tzaddik. But on the other hand, we don't just have to be a guy who says, look, it's sukkah. I know, you're supposed to do the lulav thing. Okay, where's the lulav? I've got to do it. I can summon, I can muster up some level of emotion for it even if that emotion is just like what we called last week a tvuna, or we also had another nickname for it in chapter 16. Remember we called it machshava toiva, a good thought. Remember at the end of 16 we had a whole discussion about how a real emotion is visceral. It's you're feeling it in your body. And therefore when it leads to an action, there's a very natural coupling between that emotion and that action, because they're both physical. But for a regular person like us, where our emotions are a little bit more abstract, or call it ephemeral, or um, a little bit more theoretical, Hashem ha actually has to pair our internal motivation with our physical performance of the mitzvah, and that's what we say, Hashem 
joins the good thought to the deed. That was from last week. Remember that? Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> so chapter 17 is continuing this idea of you want internal motivation, you're going to get internal motivation. You know where it's going to come from? You're going to meditate. Now, chapter 17 of Tanya has one of my favorite phrases in all of Tanya. It says, Call me Anyone who has a brain in his head, which it's, it's kind of a funny expression. It's a funny expression. Anyone who has a brain in his head, like, <clears throat> who can do this method? Anyone who has a brain in his head. And what's the method? It goes like this. And, and, and this is based on stuff we've been learning since the beginning of Tanya. And you're going to see how it's sort of... Remember I said at the beginning of this lesson, in a certain way, chapter 17 is a, um, it's a benchmark because we're, we're tying together a lot of information we've been learning since the beginning. Okay. I mean, we did a little bit of this last week in chapter 16 as well, but uh, chapter 17 sort of ties it all together. And then, go guess, chapter 18 is going to start a whole new theme. Next week we'll start chapter 18. That's a whole new thing. Okay. goes like this. Chapter 1, I find out about the duality of my nature. My, I have two souls. One of them is the animal soul, which is the survival uh, drive, self-perpetuation, abject selfishness. Chapter 2, I find out I have this um, godly soul, which is altruism, extreme altruism. It, it, it desires nothing but becoming one with Hashem through complete surrender. Uh, chapter 3, I start to learn about the inner workings of the soul. Specifically, it focuses on the inner workings of the godly soul, but... Uh, later on in chapter 6, I find out that those mechanics are the same as for the animal soul as well. just have to flip the motivation from selfless to selfish. And I find out in chapter 3, basically, there are 10 soul faculties. Stop me if any of this sounds new, because it shouldn't. Ten soul faculties, and those 10 faculties are generally divided into how many categories? Mm-hmm. Ten, cate- ten different types or faculties, but how many categories are the ten? Two. 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 Okay, and namely they are? Intellect and emotion. Right, intellectual and emotional. And what's the relationship between intellectual and emotional? Parent-child. Great, okay. So in chapter three already I found out where emotions come from. Right? Where do babies come from? From a mommy and a tati. Where do emotions come from? A mommy and a tati. The mommy is called Bina. Tati is called Chachma. So who's Das? Who's Das? Hashem. No, that's a good question. Das, oh, I, this is such good Hashkacho Pratis. You know why? Because when I taught you chapter 3, I, I think I didn't really get into this. Mm-hmm. The mommy is Bina. That's the womb. That's where one little packet of DNA expands and expands and expands until it takes on... 
human form with 248 limbs, 365 sinews. Chachma is the seminal thought. Literally, it is just that hyper-condensed, you could call it insight, because it's hyper-condensed. Um, in fact, Chachma is so condensed, any, any idea that remains truly in Chachma cannot even be articulated because it's that condensed. Now, everything is in that condensed form, but not in any articulated fashion. So, you know, your baby is present there in that code of DNA, but, you know, not really. You can't recognize him. It's like not like the homunculus. Like, the, you know, the, the homunculus, the tiny little man inside of the man. That's how the, they used to think of genetics. There's not like a tiny little person there. It's the potential for a person. Now, where does that potential get actualized is in, in the womb. So there's a womb of thought called bina, which is the same word as boine, to build, a binyan, a building. Um, and that's elaborative thought, which his boinanos, meditation, it's from that same root. His boinanos is from bina, boine, binyan. Um, that's why bina yisera nitna laisha, additional Bina was given to a woman, because the whole concept of Bina is feminine. It is feminine. I mean, biologically, that is what motherhood is. Or not motherhood, but, you know... Uh, to nurture the thought. And um, to, the it, thought. No, it's referring to... I mean, it's like, it's like gestation. It's like pregnancy. Not necessarily like nurturing it and taking care oh. of it, but um, the, the capacity for incubating the thought. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what's... What's das? Because as you rightly point out, there's Chochmah Bina Das. So what's das? Das is not a third partner. There's no third partner. There's, there's two partners, a mommy and a tati. Das is the relationship between Chochmah and Bina. So like it says, Adam Yoda Es Chava. Adam knew Chava. So the relationship between the two. The relationship is described as focus. So in order for Chochman Bina, for father and mother to have babies, which are emotions. emotions, there has to be das. Das means focus. There has to be that profound connection between them, and then it will, then the relationship will lead to offspring. So, in, in terms of intellect, das means focus. That means, you know, like when you're perseverating on a thought. We talked about this earlier, you know, weeks ago, about sometimes we're meditating and we don't even realize it because we let our thoughts choose us instead of choosing our thoughts, mm -hmm. right? So let's say some anxious thought comes into your mind, some, some future thing that you're worried about, and you're perseverating on it. So that's das. The continued focus, mm -hmm. that's the das. Like super meditation or focus meditation? It, it, or? Well, it just means that you, you, you keep coming back to that thought. Yeah, analyzing. You, just, you keep coming back to it. That uh, you, Even if something draws you away from it, but you go back to that thought. Those are the things, if you realize, those are the things that you have strong emotions for. The thoughts you keep coming back to. So that's das. In other words, you could 
have a profound insight, you can also be able to articulate that insight, meaning you have Chochmah and Yavina, but if you don't keep coming back to the thought and, and giving it your attention, then it doesn't ever lead to an emotional conclusion. I have a question. I know uh, yeah. people who are very passionate and emotional about mitzvot, and they lack a lot of intelligence. These are emotions that they're just born with, or are, you know, they didn't develop these emotions from thought. Right. They're very passionate about silly parts of mitzvot. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not an intellectual yeah. connection with the mitzvah. So there is a, the well, right, there is another, okay. That is a good question for next week. Um, yeah, seriously, it I'll is. I'll come back. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, but to, to answer your question without opening up a whole new uh, discussion that we will, Mir Hashem, get into next week, uh, let me just answer like this. You're, you're talking about people who sort of naturally have a lot of emotional... But they're so... Uh, or it can be simple-minded. You know, simple-minded. Okay. So first of all, all right, I didn't want to get off into the part of the conversation we're going to have next week. We're going to have next week. Okay. okay. The, the one part of the conversation I will get into now. Um, didn't think it would come up this week. Okay. Let me. Let me just. I'm. I'm. I'm let's wait till uh, no. 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 I'm with you. Let me just do this. Okay. So that was chapter three. Then in chapter four, I'm going to answer you in one second. Yeah, yeah. In chapter four, I got into the garments. Very, very important. You remember that when we found out that one of the garments is thought, the thought is a behavior. Remember that? That was crucial. And remember we talked about the knock at the door, right? Like, what thoughts knock at my door I have no control over? But opening the door and saying, come on in, sit down, make yourself comfortable, I'll make you some tea, that, that was a choice. Okay. And it can work for better or for worse, because why is it good to know that thought is a behavior? Well, it's good because it means I get to choose it. It's, like, it's not like, oh, I'm worried that I might knock this cup over for the, for the heck of it. Well, then don't knock the cup over no, but I might just do it. Well, unless you have a neurological issue where you knock the cup over beyond your own, you know, like against your own will. No, I, if you don't want to knock it over, you won't knock it over. So it's like a person saying, well, I'm worried that I might perseverate on a thought. No, just don't perseverate on it. Well, I'm, I'm worried I might have the thought. Oh, you might have the thought. Yeah, that's, that's true. You might have it. It might pop up. But if you don't want to open the door, you don't have to open the door. So that's the good part of it, that I don't want to call it bad part of it, but the hard work part of it is, conversely, there are all types of thoughts that are really good for us, that are thoughts that we should be focusing on, and it's information we already know about, but if we don't put in the time, if we don't open the door and say, come in, let me spend five minutes thinking about this subject, then even though technically you know that information you're not going to be emotionally affected by it. Remember I talked to you way back when we did chapter 4, we spoke about, like, do you know the times tables? But were you thinking the times tables? No, but you know the times tables. You've known them for decades, but you don't go around thinking them. So you can know information. It's this two, two sides of the same coin. On one side, you can know information that is unhealthy to, to think about, but that's fine. Just don't think about it. 
You might think of it. Remember, we spoke about thinking of it, thinking about it. The flip side of the same coin is you could know information that could really change your life. It's really great stuff to think about. It would make you more focused on your purpose. It would make you more uh, serene, more, more compassionate, give you greater patience. You know, things like how God is running the world at all times. Stuff that you know, but if you're not putting in the time to meditate on it, it's not having that emotional effect on you. Okay. So, now that was chapter four. All right. Now, your question about, I know people who, you call them simple people, I think. Simple-minded. Simple-minded. Complicated people. Right. Right. Okay. So, right. They're complicated people, but simple-minded. Okay. And they're very, like, so excited about... They get very excited, very excitable. Okay. So you understand the difference between Seichel and Machshavah. Seichel is a kayach, is a faculty. It is the capacity for intellect. Machshava is a lavush, is a garment of the soul. It's a behavior. It's an activity, albeit a mental activity. And they're connected. Not necessarily. But a low-level seichel. You know how. You know how. Somebody can talk and talk and talk. And not say anything. <laughs> because speech is just a behavior. Now, it should be a vehicle for intelligence, but not necessarily. The same way that you can talk and talk and talk and not say anything, thought can be the same way. Thought can be devoid of intellect, or have very little intellect, or have foolishness, anti-intellect. Can I ask a question? Yeah. When you say intellect in English, can you define it? Intellect in English <laughs> means the capacity to figure things out, to understand them, the ability to do so. Like somebody who can be reasoned with or can't be reasoned with. Like you can't explain to a two-year-old, mommy will be home in 15 minutes. Right? Because intellectually, the two-year-old doesn't have the capacity for that message. That's a lack of intellect. And then they grow, and by the time they're four or five, you can say, mommy will be home in 15 minutes, and that means something. So it's a framework of a framework, already yes. decided constructs. Yes. It's a construct, yeah. So already there, yes. That is intellect. It's hardware, correct. The lavushim, the garments of the soul, are software. But if you lack a level of intellect, so your here, lavush here's, will be more simple. Here's the thing. There are people who are highly intelligent. People who have a capacity for very deep ideas. But they are simple people in the sense of just very healthy, no nonsense, no games. They're not complicated. And they don't complicate things. And they're not like, 
and not the people who spend 45 minutes figuring out which restaurant we're going to. If you're hungry, you eat. If you don't want to eat, then stay home. And by the time you figured out where you're going, these are the people who already made a sandwich, and they're like, I'm good, I'm, I'm okay. Those are people who have a high level of intellect. You might call it a, a, a bar seichel, but not an overthinker. By the way, the term overthinker is relative. Relative to what? <laughs> to the intellectual content. So if somebody is working on the cure for cancer in a lab, you wouldn't say, oh, you're an overthinker. Well, no, actually, I'm not an overthinker. But if somebody's using that same amount of brain power on where we're going for dinner, that's called overthinking. It's a relative term. Okay. So there is such a thing. There are such people, and all of us have a little bit of this in us, some more, some less, where there's not a whole... So there are people who have a lot of seichel, but very little makshava. They have a lot of brain power, but they don't overthink. Conversely, there are people who don't have a lot of brain power, or they're not maybe tapped into the brain power, maybe you say it that way. It's nicer to say it that way. Um, but they're thinking a lot. There are a lot of thoughts going on. That, that's called noise. That's noise. At, at any rate, how is this pertinent to us and to our discussion of chapter 17, which um, right now I'm trying to bring you through from the beginning of Tanya to this point to show you how it all led up to here. So, if you think about chapter 4, where we're reviewing from the beginning, and I was on chapter 4, so chapter 4 is about, you know, the, the garments of the soul and the behaviors, so think about it like this, that I have the capacity for self-talk, which I'll call thought. It's a behavior, it's an activity called self-talk, or mental talk, discursive thought. One thing I learned in chapter 4, which I wasn't told how to use it in chapter 4, but I was taught the concept of the premise in chapter 4, is that I have free will to exercise thought. That's incredibly important. I'm going to go quickly now, okay? Chapter 5, we learned about Torah study, how it becomes united with us, becomes part, it changes the framework, it changes, you know, the hardwiring. Chapter 6, we learned about the insides and outsides, the faculties and the garments of the animal soul. Chapter 7 and 8, we learned about negativity in the world around us, the stuff that's redeemable and can be transformed into a vehicle for God's will, and the stuff that's irredeemable and you have to leave it alone. Chapter 9, I learned about the small city. Chapter 10 was how the tzaddik handles the war. Chapter 11, how the Russia handles the war. Chapter 12, 13, 14, all about the Benini, how he handles the war. Chapter 15 was two kinds of Benini, one who has to work and one who's coasting. Chapter 16 was getting some internal motivation 
through meditating, okay? Chapter, and we call that internal motivation, those nice proto-emotions. Chapter 17, wrapping it up. Chapter 17. And now we know why it says, You can get yourself emotionally congruent enough to tip the scales that when you're doing it, when you're doing it, you say, this is what I want to be doing. How? Because you're going to create emotion. How do you create emotion? Well, emotions come from intellect. How do you get the intellect to do their thing, that they should create emotions? Through thought. What's thought? Here's the, here's the linchpin. Here's the critical part of it. What's thought after all? A behavior. A behavior. You, a be- you choose your thought. Not what you think of. Remember, we spoke about this at length. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I can't choose what I think of, but I can choose what I think about. Remember the whole thing we spoke about, the guy with the sign, don't even think of parking here? And I said, he can't tell me don't think of it. He just made me think of it. Mm-hmm. He could say, don't think about it if he wants. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole discussion? Mm-hmm. Okay. So chapter 17 says like this, you want to get emotionally congruent? Because sheer impulse control, that I can do since chapter 12, told me just force yourself. That I'm doing already. But to actually get some internal motivation, to, to, to muster up some feeling, yeah, I want to do it. How do I do it? I don't control my heart. You told me only tzaddikim control their hearts. I, I don't, I mean, I don't control my heart. What does that mean? Mayakshaltalev means either I can ignore my heart. Okay, that was the first thing I was taught. It's not really controlling my heart. It's more like overriding my heart. Or B, or B, it tells me, you can indirectly influence your heart. By creating emotions when you choose what you're going to meditate on. So, can I directly go? Let's go back to the bet, the tomatoes. Like the tomatoes now. Can't do it. Can't do it. Because that's a tzaddik. Directly, immediately changing emotion at will. Remember the bet? The tomatoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, direct, remember the three bets. The first one was. You gotta like the tomatoes right now. The second bet was you don't have to ever like them. You just have to eat one. What was it? A kazayas of tomato one day, excluding Jewish fast days for a year. And the third bet was you have to like them, but you have a year in order to get yourself to like them. We all we all agreed. The first bet is the worst bet for you because you have to change your emotion. You have to change it now. I cannot directly, immediately change my feelings at will. I don't like tomatoes. Oh, but you should, you should force yourself. Trust me, I would love to change my feeling. You're going to give me a million dollars if you're going to change my feeling? I would love to do it. I'm highly motivated. But it's not a, not a question of motivation. I, if you tell me to do something, then my being highly motivated makes a difference. I can, if I'm highly motivated, I can force myself to do something that's difficult to do. But being highly motivated is not going to help me to like something I don't like or to dislike something that I do like. I can't do it. And that's why we went to bet number two. 
which was fine. Don't even worry about ever liking it. You don't have to ever like it. Just force yourself to do it. Eat the little bit of tomato every day for a year. And that was very appropriate to what we were discussing back when we were learning chapter 12, which, you don't have to ever like it. So never like it. Just force yourself. But bet number three, which we sort of like, we said it was like in between, it's like harder than bet two, but it's easier than bet one. Now we're coming back to bet number three. Bet number three is, <coughs> over a long period of time, could you get yourself to like it? Well, how much do I have to like it? Last I say, that's it, last I say. Get yourself to like it enough that when you're doing it, that motivation's coming from you. You're not fighting yourself. That at least to some extent, you're working with the grain. Are we, are we saying, like, this is in sync with, uh, you know, when you're doing something not, like, you have ulterior motives, and they say, just do it, just do it, just do it, and eventually it'll become low. Mm -hmm. oh, so no, no, that's not what we're saying. That's but a different concept. But I'm thinking no, that. That's what you're thinking because that's uh, probably more common mm -hmm. among people who don't necessarily study Tanya, is, you know, that, that's... Yeah, or hergel that a habituation becomes like a second nature. Mm -hmm. There is such a concept of fake it till you make it, just keep doing that's it. That's all okay. action, though. Yeah, yeah and this is not what we're talking about. What are we talking about here? Thought. It's behavioral change. Behavioral change I can do through sheer impulse control. Emotional. What are we talking about here? Emotional change. Emotional, Emotional change. change. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's the tool for emotional change? Meditation. Meditation. But doing something low lishma is emotional. It's, it, forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do? It or no. for ulterior, ulterior motives? No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about do it with ulterior motives and then later you'll appreciate the real reason. No, that's not right. what we're talking about. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Okay. We're talking about, we spoke about this last week. Take time while you're chopping vegetables and instead of perseverating on some thought that gives you anxiety, think about Hashem. Think what about Hashem? I don't know. Anything that you know about Hashem. Think about, try to wrap your mind around infinity. Whatever it is, think about Kriyas Yamsuf. Oh, that's a great question. Everyone hears yeah, that? I have no, no, no. Okay. I was embarrassed to ask. <laughs> Never be embarrassed to ask. Very, very good question. The question was, this sounds really good, this meditation. Uh, when are we going to learn how to do it? Right. Okay. Yoga. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a very good question. That's a very fair question. Um, it's interesting Chapter 16 and 17 basically tells us that we have to think and that by thinking we'll create emotion. But it doesn't really tell us what to think about. I mean, it does. It says, think about Hashem. The greatness of Hashem. It says, think about the greatness of Hashem. But can you get more specific? It doesn't. It doesn't. Where does it get more specific? In chapters 41 through 50. There are ten chapters 
at the basically the very end of Tanya, almost the very end, because Tanya's 53 chapters. 51, 52, 53 sort of wraps up Tanya. But the last real run of chapters, and it's a long run, it's pr- pretty much the biggest section. Again, the sectioning is very informal. I mean, the Al-Tarebbe didn't write sections or groups of chapters, but informally, at least the way that it's understood by many, um, 41 through 50 is a whole section of chapters, and it's a very long section of chapters. 41 through 50 is about one thing. It's about various different kinds of love and awe and what to think about in order to produce each one of them. See, we're going to find out that even, you know, when we say emotions are either love or awe, attraction or backing away. And, but even that has many nuances because there are different types of love and there's different types of awe, different levels. You know, types means uh, uh, means, uh, the quality, which kind, which sort. And then levels means, you know, quantity, like, uh, you know, degree. And there are all types of bechinais, umedregais, types and levels of love and awe. And each one of them is produced by meditation and depending on what you meditate on and with which intention you are meditating on various subjects that will determine the emotional takeaway so that's all 41 through 50 now you're going to ask me if that subject matter exists in the book why didn't the Alter Rebbe put 41 through 50 right after 16 and 17. Like, go 16, 17, 41 through 50, and then whatever 18 is, have that be after what is currently 50. So I have a theory about it. I have a theory about it. But in order to share, you, share my theory with you, I have to tell you what 18 through 25 is. Which I'll do as like a cliffhanger for next week. But let me just wrap up and make sure we understand what 17 did. 17 says, You're going to get emotional you're going to create internal motivation. How much? Enough that it is at least bringing you to do it with that emotion. And how are you going to create emotion? I thought the whole distinction between Tzaddik and everyone else was that we don't have the ability to just bring our emotions in line with God's will. And the answer is, you're right. But you do have a brain in your head, and you do choose what to meditate on. And when you will choose what to meditate on, indirectly and over time, you will be choosing what kind of emotions you have. 
indirectly and over time. Just want to make sure both of those qualifications are understood. Indirectly, I'm not willing my emotions to be different. I'm merely choosing what thoughts to entertain. So it's indirect. And it's also over time. It's a process. It's a process. You don't just have one really great meditation session and then all of a sudden you're, you're set emotionally for the rest of your life. That brings me to 18 through 25 and the cliffhanger. Remember how we described coming to the Alter Rebbe right before chapter 16? Remember before we knew the second meaning of Mayach Shal Talalev? Remember when we only knew Mayach Shal Talalev as impulse control? Remember that? Yeah. And we're talking about, okay, I found out the trick that I can take my behaviors and I can ratchet them up to perfection, even if internally I'm still back here at slob mode. Right? Okay. And remember the rubber band? Pretend rubber band? That we... Yeah. Okay. And then I found out, so I came into the Altareva all stressed out, sort of, and then what did I find out in 16 and 17? That there's a way, by the way, this, what I'm doing is uh, time-lapse photography. <laughs> this constitutes decades. This thing, that's decades. You want to see what it looks like in real time? <laughs> it's like watching paint dry. But I'm stressed out because I'm ha I have my perfect behaviors, but my insides are so not congruent with it. And my only tool is, is sheer impulse control. Control yourself. And he says, oh no, there's a second tool. Which also means transformation. Okay, fine. But very, 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 very slow. Slow and steady, but slow transformation. So I'm still stressed out. You have something that works a little quicker, doctor? Nope. <laughs> yes. 18 through 25. 18 through 25. So, to answer the question, if 41 through 50 are all the different types of meditation, why didn't you give them to me right away? You told me in 16, 17, meditate for the rest of your life. Okay, tell me what to meditate on. But hold on a second. 18 through 25 is, is the emergency is in case of emergency break glass. That's my quick relief. That's going to be a method that's going to work right away. Now you're going to say another question. Well, if it works right away, why didn't you teach me that first? Okay, we'll get into that. Why we didn't learn that one first. But that's my theory. Why he tells me, no, meditate for the rest of your life. And you're like, okay, get, get specific. And basically the answer is, listen, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. <laughs> we have time. We have time. I'll get specific later. But for now... I'd like to give you another tool, 18 through 25, which works right now. And 18 to, this is the cliffhanger. 18 through 25 is a method that everyone can do to immediately see results. And what results? See what results? So that you feel like Feeling. You can immediately produce feeling. It's an immediate emotional boost. And it works right now as opposed to 16 and 17, which is decades, decades <laughs> lifetime of work. Okay, so what is this 
immediate emotional boost, that's, that's the cliffhanger. That's what we're going to find out next week.